Baptism is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful expression of our love for God. It says a lot about our faith, and specifically our faith in Jesus and our decision to follow Jesus. It's a very precious part of our history as a church, of the Brethren in Christ. It goes all the way back to the late, late uh, 1700s, and it's a huge part of church history that goes all the way back to the first century. More important, it is the command of Christ, which we're called to obey. So we're going to be talking about baptism this morning. Would you pray with me as we begin? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your Son, with whom we identify in the waters of baptism. Thank you for the cross through which our sins were forgiven. Cleanse us from sin. Lead us to truth. Fill us with your Spirit. Reveal yourself in your word today and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, a few weeks ago, we got the joy of sharing in the baptism of Juliana Paisley, jewels to her friends, out at Roxbury Holiness Camp on that first Sunday of camp meeting. Today, we're baptizing Lexi Marks and Lewis Mowers. I noticed the initials, LM and LM, and... Uh, they're being baptized at, at Renfrew Park at the creek near the pavilion or, and, and up by the bridge. So if uh, once we get there, we'll get you to the right spot. Uh, I get a lot of questions about baptism, about why we do it and how we do it. And, and so I thought I'd spend some time this morning looking at what the scripture says uh, and talking about why we do what we do. Uh, I want to start today with the Great Commission. That's kind of an obvious place to start. In Matthew chapter 28, right before Jesus left the disciples and returned to be with the Father in heaven, he gathered them on a mountainside. We don't know which mountainside, it's not specified, but, but somewhere where he could get along with his disciples to talk with them. And it starts in Matthew 28 and verse 16. Matthew writes, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." Now, the disciples were not told by Jesus, I want you to go out and see how many people you can get to pray the sinner's prayer. That wasn't the thought. It was to make disciples. Now, discipleship starts with receiving Jesus, but it continues until and as we become followers of Jesus. We become like lifelong students of Jesus. Jesus commanded not only that they go out and make disciples with uh, every people group in the world, but that they should baptize them. You know, part of our history, I mentioned the uh, Brother to Christ Church uh, that we belong to began with baptism. We began in the 1780s. There were a couple of preachers who were fairly famous in those days. Uh, Philip William Otterbein, you know, the local Otterbein church is named after him and Martin Bohm, and they were revival preachers in Lancaster County. 
They were down along the Susquehanna River. They had a whole series of revival meetings, and uh, some were held in houses, uh, what they called conventicles, and some were held in open fields, and others were held in barns, and a large number of people came to know Jesus at that time. They stressed the need for a, health, a heartfelt faith experience, that it had to be something real. It had to be something that, that wasn't just lip service, something that, that you really felt as we approached God and became, or came into a relationship with God. And that relationship wasn't to be static, but it was something that would lead us into a practical life of holiness. A lot of people came to faith in Jesus, and they became very determined to follow Jesus in every way. And some people from several churches got together, and they started a little Bible study together. And, and as they were going through the scriptures, they read, oh, wait a minute. Our churches baptize infants, but it says here in the, in the New Testament that we should be baptizing after somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And so, so and among that group was our founding father, Jacob Engel. Uh, Jacob Engel had this farm, and often the meetings took place there. And they decided, we need to do something about this, but they couldn't find anybody to baptize them as adults. Um, some people were horrified at the idea because their churches just didn't do that. And other people who did baptize adults, they wanted them to join their church, and they wanted to stay as part of their own church. Well, eventually they went down and they baptized one another and they started a church. They didn't intend to start a church, but that's what happened. That was summer around the year 1788. A lot of these Anabaptist people had come to Pennsylvania when William Penn opened up this new experiment, this place where you could come and you could worship God freely and, and not be under the control of the state church. And and a lot of people had been persecuted in Europe just for being baptized. Now, it was the state policy in many countries in Europe that, that they baptized only infants. And so, in fact, one emperor even made a law that you could be put to death for being baptized. And, and some of those laws continued for many centuries. And so in Europe, these people were being persecuted for, for, for their faith, and some of them were being put to death for being baptized. And so many came to America and settled here in Pennsylvania. Well, through Bible study, people came to believe that baptism happened after you confessed Jesus. And so... They began following that tradition. And they baptized people who were adults who had come to faith. They baptized even you know, people who were younger, who had a good understanding of what it was that they were doing and why. And uh, it, it really was a different way of life, the ability to practice faith freely. If you've ever been to one of our baptisms here, you know that when we dunk them, we really dunk them, right? Uh, the word baptize means immerse. It means to dip. It means to plunge. It's a word that's used in Greek to talk about dyeing cloth. So when you want to dye cloth, what do you do? You, you take the cloth and you put it in the dye, and it plunges under the surface. And when you bring it back out, it's a different color. And that's, that's where that word comes from, with practice of dyeing cloth. When, when we baptize people, we have them kneel as a sign of humility. And we immerse them three times forward, which is maybe a little different than you've seen before. 
And, and we do it that way because of the scripture right up here on the screen. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Right before that, it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Well, BIC people in the early days, they were pretty literal. And so if they read it in the Bible, they tried to do it. They tried to live it out. And uh, so when they baptize, when we baptize, we do it three times under, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're also following a tradition of the early Anabaptists that goes way, way back. Um, the earliest Christian writings in the Christian church, if you go back to uh, writings that, that were not the biblical writers, but there were people who were taught by those, those apostles, uh, they wrote a document called the Didache towards the end of the first century. And, and it has a whole chapter. Chapter 7 is all about baptism and how to do baptism. And their baptismal formula, guess what? Three times. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now they were baptizing for a number of reasons that way. One of them emphasized the Trinity of God. There were groups that that didn't believe that God was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You may have run into one of these Jesus-only groups, um, but they were very firm in this is what we believe, and this is who we believed on. And they also believed that they were personally being baptized into union and fellowship with the triune God. So our history, both the BIC church and the historical church, has a very long tradition of baptizing believers. Now, if you were a believer, you were baptized. I mean, it happened pretty quick. If you're wondering about infants, many of you maybe come from a background uh, like I did where they baptized infants. Uh, we have a ceremony which we call child dedication that we do with younger children where we present our children to God and we dedicate them to the Lord and we also give ourselves to God and promise to raise them to follow Jesus. So, so you know, you wonder, what, what do we do about infants? That's what we do about infants. We don't believe that that conveys saving grace. We believe that, that children already are under the grace of God until they're old enough to understand uh, and be accountable for their own sin. So what's baptism all about? Well, baptism is this beautiful ordinance that acknowledges that Jesus is now my Lord. It tells a lot about who we are and what we believe. First of all, baptism tells us about Jesus, doesn't it? Well, somebody beat me to it. Jesus himself, we know, was baptized by John the Baptist, right? Now, Jesus was baptized for a slightly different reason. We might be baptized, John was baptizing for repentance, for sins, for the remission of sins, um, but Jesus came and he didn't have any sin. So Jesus himself, he says, I am being baptized to fulfill all righteousness. It's, it's, uh, it's he's doing what he's asking others to do. And there's a leadership model that's presented there. Baptism in some ways tells us the salvation story of Jesus. We know that Jesus died on a cross for our sin. He became the sacrifice that brought forgiveness and the forgiveness of God to anybody who confesses Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, not only did Jesus die, but he was raised on the third day. Because Jesus was raised, and because we believe in Jesus for salvation, resurrection is in our future too. 
resurrection first to live in heaven, and then, as Revelation teaches, to live in the newly created heaven and earth when the new heaven and the new earth come. Now, let's look at Romans 6. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So when we go under the water, when we're being baptized, we go under the water, we are imitating Jesus in his death. Like Jesus, we die to the old person when we come to Christ. And, and like Jesus, uh, we, we get baptized into his death. It's like we're dying to self. We become a new person in God's eyes, a person with a clean slate, a chance for us to start again in life. But the old person has to die first for the new person to live. Now, we don't die physically. We go under the water, and it, and it symbolizes the fact that, like Jesus, we're dying too. We're dying to self. We're dying to sin. When we come up out of that water, we're acknowledging that like Jesus rose from the dead, that we're rising too to be a new person, a Christian believer, a follower of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that the old is gone and the new has come or begun. Like Paul says right here, we're, we're walking in the newness of life. We have a new life and we're to walk in it. Baptism tells us also about how Jesus makes us holy or pure. It says Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who were zealous for good works. In Jewish tradition, they had baptism. baptism Christian baptism comes from Jewish culture. In, in Jewish culture, they had these pools or baths. The first temple had a huge one, a pool of Solomon that, that the priests would prepare themselves for worship. They would ritually wash themselves. And that pool is called a mikvah. Well, as time went on, the mikvah began to be used for people who became converts to Judaism. And so if you wanted to become a, a, a new Jew, if you wanted to become Jewish, then you would be welcomed in. Part of the ritual was you had to go through the mikvah. You had to go through this bath, and, and you'd go in for a ritual cleansing that symbolized you being purified and your sins being clean, and it symbolized the death of the old person. And when they came up out of the waters, they got clean white robes put on. Their old clothes were burned on a brazier to, to show that the old life was dead and the new life was come. And you know, they do that even today. There are mikvahs in many synagogues around the world. And uh, a lot of cities, uh, you'll go to the city, there will be at least a couple of those synagogues will have mikvahs for doing this uh, so that they can share together. The nice uh, thing about that word mikvah is it means to gather around or to gather together. It's something that they did not alone, but they did it in community. It was part of being the community of God. Well, baptism also tells us um, a lot of other things. It talks about, it symbolizes the taking away of sin. It, 
It declares us righteous. Jesus declares us righteous. He's making you one of his own people. He's making, in a sense, a new Israel. A new person grafted in, maybe, to the old nation of Israel. And that dipping in the water, it symbolizes on the outside what Jesus has already done on the inside. You know, we say that often to our children when we're trying to explain baptism, but it's true. It symbolizes the cleaning of your heart, the washing away of your sins. You know, it's not the baptism, it's not going in the water that does it. Otherwise, every time you went swimming, you know, you might have a spiritual change. But that's not the way it works. It's not the water that cleanses you. It's Jesus who cleanses you. And it happened through Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and for mine. Baptism tells us about Jesus, but it also tells us something about you. I always ask every baptismal candidate uh, why they want to be baptized. It's my first question. So why do you want to be baptized? I just want to hear the answer before we kind of get into it. Before I want to know if they have a sense of what it is we're doing and why it is we're doing it. What is it that you're saying when you're being baptized? Are you saying, oh, well, it's just another service, another ceremony. It's another ritual to go through. I hope that's not what you're saying. And I hope you would never be baptized under such a condition. Baptism is very special. Yes, it is ritualistic, but it is also a declaration. It's a statement. You're saying, I am serious about following Jesus. I'm serious about it. It's a step beyond your decision to accept or to receive Jesus. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We believe. We have faith for salvation. But there's Peter in Acts chapter 2, and he gives that first sermon of his, and it's, it's a long one, but when he gets to the end, he gives an invitation. He has an altar call, and he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Wow. When you repent, what do you do? You turn from your sin, and you turn towards Jesus or towards God. Baptism declares, I have believed. I have repented. Now I'm confessing him in front of witnesses. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. This is a permanent thing. This isn't something we do now and forget about later. This is something we do now and live a life following Jesus. Just getting baptized doesn't do it. I could dunk you all day. And it wouldn't be a real declaration if no change had taken place in your heart. There's a story about Martin Luther when he was a monk. And uh, he felt that the devil was harassing him daily. And one day he felt so harassed, he took his ink pot and he threw it at the wall. And he, and he shouted out at the devil and he said, Get away from me, devil. I've been baptized. And later he came to realize that that didn't do it. Later, he came to realize that, that baptism needed belief. It's not get baptized and then believe. It's I believe and I repent 
and I get baptized. As I said, baptism is a very serious decision. When I was baptized personally in 1982, uh, I was baptized in uh, what in, in the northern Ontario they call a kettle lake. A kettle lake is a, a very deep lake that was cut at some point by a glacier, and uh, this one was spring-fed, and so it was icy cold all the time. And uh, people swam there, but the temperature was pretty intimidating, you know. <laughs> There were three of us being baptized that day, myself and a young couple who were about to get married. And they had gloriously been saved and they were in love with Jesus and excited and, and ready to be baptized. And they stepped out into that cold water with us and uh, Dan, the pastor, was in there. And, and uh, one of the things that was really moving about the experience, I mean, the whole thing was moving, but... One of the things that was even extra special was a girl, the woman named Lucy who was being baptized uh, because Lucy was deathly afraid of water. I mean, terrified. If she got waist deep in water, she would begin to have panic attacks. I mean, this is how bad her fear of water was. And there she was in the water with us. She was absolutely determined that she would plunge under the water and, and come up and, and just be honoring Jesus in this. She couldn't even swim because she couldn't get in the water, you know? And, and just to watch this young woman, I was baptized first and there I got to stand to the side and to watch the others and, and then Todd was baptized and then Lucy was baptized and when Lucy was baptized, she came up out of the water and there was this joy that you would not believe on her face. It was like, not only have I done it, have I overcome something, but, but the sense that God is pleased. And there's Todd standing to the side and tears just running down his face. It was an awesome occasion. I remember after that, we came out of the water. We were all just kind of giddy with the whole thing, you know? We were excited and happy, just filled with joy. It was a beautiful thing. Lucy was very brave. In the first church I served in, um, in Canada, there was a woman who was saved and really, really wanted to be baptized. But her husband told her that if she was baptized, he was going to throw her out of the house and divorce her. They'd been raised Lutheran and they'd been baptized as babies. And, and he felt that if she was baptized, it was rejecting who they were. It was rejecting their nationality. It was rejecting their traditions. It was rejecting all kinds of things. And, and the pastor who had served before me in that church suggested uh, you know, other ways that she could be baptized, like maybe just have a private gathering for the church and baptize there. And, and, but she said, that's not, that's not the way I think it's supposed to be done. She said, I think it's supposed to be done in front of anybody just so that, that I can witness to my faith that I've decided to follow Jesus. Well, I served there for three years after, after he did, and, and she wrestled with it the whole time that I knew her. And we prayed with her and for her many, many times. A few years later, when I was in another church in Michigan, the pastor got a hold of me and let me know that, that Marita had decided to go ahead. She insisted knowing what the consequences might be in her life, that it might just tear her life apart. But she insisted. And she was baptized as a public confession of her faith. And guess what? 
Her husband didn't kick her out. He didn't divorce her. He started coming to church. See, he was watching her. He was waiting. He was kind of testing her, I think, to, to see if her faith was real because he was trying to believe. And, and when she did this, it, it was a demonstration. I've decided to follow Jesus seriously. Baptism proved it. I sometimes get asked, will you feel different when you come up out of the water? Will it change me in some way? And all I could say is, I don't know, for me, I felt different, not because baptism had saved me or because it changed me physically or because it gave me a new spirit. I think it was because I was obeying Jesus. I think it was obedience to the command of Christ. You know, we go through our whole life wondering about the will of God, don't we? You know, well, what's God's will with this relationship? What's God's will for this job? What, what's God's will for my education? You know, we ask all these questions wondering what God would have us do, right? Baptism is one of those things that you can be absolutely sure is in the will of God. It's following the command of Christ. It's obedient, being obedient. And there's something about any act that we do where we know for sure that this is what God wants us to do that is affirming and can even be life-changing. So will you feel different? I can't say that you will, but I know that you're being obedient to the command of Christ. In the early Brethren in Christ, when somebody received Jesus as Savior, they, they often took them down to the river right away, right after that church service, and they baptized them right there if there was water close by. Guess what happened in the winter? Often, when it was really, really cold outside and somebody had gotten saved, they'd go down to the river and chop a hole in the ice and baptize them. <laughs> Now, I have a feeling that it's pretty hot out there today, and I have a feeling that the water is going to be cooler than the air, but it's not going to be anywhere close to that. <laughs> Thank the Lord. <laughs> Baptism tells us about Jesus. Baptism tells us something about you. But when we celebrate baptism together, it tells us something about us. It tells us about us. You know... Most of us in this room have received Jesus. Most of us who have received Jesus have likely been baptized. We are the body of Christ. Historically, baptism has always taken place in the church context. From the very first century on, it was the person, it was two things. It was the person declaring their faith, and it was the church affirming their faith. And those things worked together, and it made that an even more precious occasion. You find in those early writings about baptism and how it's supposed to be done in the church, uh, before the end of the first century, those writings I was talking about, you'll find that, that steeped in that church. Baptism is something we celebrate together. And there's something very special about the relationship between the people being baptized and the body of Christ that's witness, witnessing it. It's, it's kind of like you saying, I'm a Christian. And we're looking back saying, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> you are a Christian. We're affirming your faith. Uh, I love it. Uh, 
when somebody comes up out of the water, I like to shout, praise the Lord! Because <laughs> it's such a joyous moment. Maybe we can do that today when, when we do our baptisms. It's a celebration. It's a party. You know, the scripture tells us that one, pers- one person here on earth gets saved, comes to know Jesus, the angels in heaven, they throw a big party. Well, I feel like that's probably what happens when we do baptism too. Now, maybe you haven't been baptized. Maybe you're getting a sense that God might be calling you to publicly declare your faith. Uh, I encourage you to come and have a conversation with me. Let's pray about it together. It, uh, and to me, it doesn't matter how many trips we make to the creek in a year or how many times we have to fill the baptistry. It doesn't matter. We will do it. Because we want to celebrate your faith with you. We want to party with you. I hope, uh, I hope that you'll all be able to join us at the Renfrew Park this afternoon, right after service or, or soon after service, as we welcome these new lives in Jesus as part of the body of Christ. And we affirm their faith as they declare I want to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we recognize your presence and we acknowledge your lordship. You are our savior and we give our hearts to you fully. Lord, forgive us our sins as we turn from them. Call us by your spirit. Teach our hearts to listen and obey you throughout our whole lives. We ask your special blessing today on Lewis and Lexi as they are baptized. May they follow you all the days of their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.